Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. Friends, for the fall series um, in 2021, we are going to be looking at the idea of belonging, and we are going to be exploring it um, through stories throughout the Bible on how God calls us to not be alone. We are excited that you are joining us on this adventure. Our reading today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. So listen now for a word from God. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that a human should be alone. I will make this human a helper and a partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the human to see what this person would call them. And whatever the human called every living creature, that was its name. The human gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every animal of the field. But for the human, there was not found a helper as partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the human, and the human slept. Then God took out one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the human, God made into a woman and brought her to the human. And then the human said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one we shall call woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Southern part of Australia A woman named Maxine Chasling was worried about her father, Bill, who had just been forced into retirement at age 60 because of heart bypass surgery and the closing of the local factory. Bill went from daily managing and interacting with people, many his neighbors and townspeople, to spending most days at home with only his wife as company. Things didn't go well. Bill got grumpy fast. The first person to suffer was his wife, obviously, who bore the brunt of what we could recall depression. She could do nothing right. He became extremely critical and agitated and nitpicking. And because her father would have balked at the words depression or mental health, his daughter Maxine decided to do some behind-the-scenes work to improve his life, for her dad and also for her mother's sake. Being contacted Meals on Wheels and the police department, who were both in need of volunteers for meal delivery and community organizing. These organizations went to Bill's home and separately recruited him to volunteer for them, and he loved it. He was also ignorant to Maxine's intervention, but before long, Bill was his warm and social self again, more patient and kind and much easier to be around. He was himself. But the story continues. Maxine knew that her dad, Bill, was not the only person suffering from isolation and lack of community. Statistically, the suicide rate for men of his age was much higher than other populations, and women were outliving the men at a noticeable rate. She worked at the local community center and often saw women coming and going, meeting in book clubs, game groups, service cohorts, staying connected, enjoying life. 
But she didn't see men coming in and out of the doors very often. Where were they? She suspected that her so their social disconnection was contributing to the men's declining health. She had seen that in her dad, and she didn't want this to happen. So she investigated. And sure enough, the men were sitting in their cars reading newspapers and waiting for their wives. She asked them to come inside, and they were a staunch no. They were defensive and proud and stubborn and resistant to help, seeing walking into a community club as an admission that something was possibly wrong with them. Even if that never passed the women's mind as they sat inside enjoying each other's company. One day, Alf Stokes, the blokey, blokey bloke um, that she calls, showed up with his dog to fix a cupboard at the community center, and Maxine got a great idea. Have Alf build a shed onto the side of the community center and get the men to help him do side-by-side projects. Alf was good at woodworking, and so he would tie up his dog outside whenever he was there. And then when the men saw it, they'd emerge from their cars and wander over and start to help or even learn new skills. They became a community. The change in the lives of these men belonging to this shed and to each other made such a difference that in one town, it spread to become a movement in all of Australia called the Men's Shed Movement. And this was in 1996, and now over 20, or in the next 20 years, nearly a thousand sheds sprouted up across Australia and began to appear in Denmark and Ireland, New Zealand, Canada, and the U.S. This lovely story comes from Surgeon General Vivek Murthy's book, um, and I highly recommend reading it. But what it tells us, it turns out that no matter your age, your gender, or really anything, the timeless line from that second chapter in Genesis still rings vitally true. It is not good for humans to be alone. It is not good for us to be without a community. This chapter in Genesis has been the battleground for many discussions on gender and marriage and all of those things, and I'm not actually particularly interested in that argument today mostly because I think it's the argument of our culture and not necessarily the focus of this text. I think the focus of Genesis 2, it's not whether we have complementary body parts. The focus is whether we have community, whether we belong to each other. I say this because the word for man used in the passage is not gendered in the Hebrew in the way we think it is. It's just the word Adam, the word human, and yes, later in the passage, we see that there is diversity. There is man and there's woman, but that's not the concern at the beginning. The concern is that there's just some human on earth trying to be friends only with plants and animals, and it's not working. We can imagine what's not working by placing ourselves in that first human's position. We know, especially after the last year and a half, what isolation can do. It can make us fearful, even paranoid. It can starve us of physical touch, making us hungry for a hug or even a handshake and depressed when we can't have them. Creates narratives in our minds without the accountability of another person's view or experience. Isolation decreases our good hormones and our happy feelings. And to replicate the safety and the love of others, sometimes we turn to not so healthy things like drinking too much or over-purchasing or just being mean. And being alone leaves us without some sense of purpose. It is not good for humans to be alone. 
And so God, in God's ultimate wisdom, created two humans to be partners in their life ahead. And God created us as a species to be social. It is not good for us mentally, emotionally, spiritually to do this often hard thing called life alone. The second chapter of Genesis is not the only place we see that community as a priority for God and God's people. One could argue that the Bible is almost exclusively about how humans are not alone and how we navigate this not-aloneness in better and worse ways. This fall, we will be exploring stories and metaphors in the Bible that examine what it means to belong to the community of humans that God has placed us into. Next week, Andy's going to talk about the body of Christ and how this metaphor speaks to our belonging to Jesus and each other. We'll explore the story of Ruth and Naomi, two women from different countries and cultures who partner together to create a new life for themselves. We'll look at how the earliest Christian communities organized and showed up for each other. But we'll also look at how sometimes belonging breaks down. You don't need to read far into the Bible before you see that while belonging is essential, it is also something we work on and work towards constantly. It is dynamic. It is powerful for better or worse. We'll explore how we make missteps, killing our own brothers or sisters, enslaving fellow humans. We'll repent from how we've weaponized belonging. In the weeks ahead, we'll step out again and again among a cloud of witnesses in our historical community. We know we can do better. One of whom is God. And so we end today's sermon with God, because ultimately God is who we belong to and with. Even before the creation of plants and animals and others, God is the one creating community, shaping us to inhabit community, and calling us to do it with purpose, respect, and praise. Praise of God and of God's many humans on this planet. God is the one saying, I see you trying to be alone. I see you trying to do this on your own. I see it's hard, and I see how isolation and loneliness is breaking your heart and even your body. And I call you into the body of Christ. God is the one saying, It is not good to be alone. Come and love and be loved in this space and with these people. Belong here. And I do hope you belong here. At Ormwood Church, um, on this digital space, or wherever you find yourself planted by God. Or maybe that you are growing in your belonging here. I hope that this new space is a way we can usher people into belonging Like in the Garden of Eden or the house churches of the early church, I hope you know that through these doors, God and fellow humans are waiting for you. For it is not good for you to be alone. Amen.